Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. We are launching the series um, on the book of Mark, and so I'm really excited about this. Where We're going to be moving through the whole book of Mark over the next several weeks, and we're going to be looking at some things that are going to be very, very challenging, and today is the, is the first opening of that, and so I'm, I'm so pumped about this. One, because it's going to be fun as we walk from chapter to chapter, and, and we look at the life of Jesus, and we look at the life of the different characters in the Bible. This is what I know about the Word of God, that as you read it, as you apply it, it transforms your whole life. It cleanses your mind, and so we're going to walk through this um, during this season. I just want to encourage you to get on a reading plan through the book of Mark. If you're already on a reading plan, great. Continue with that. If you're not, be reading in the book of Mark as we, as we walk through this, because here's the message of the book of Mark. One, it's the shortest of all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John's the shortest. But it's this incredible launch into the life of Jesus. And what I love about this book is the writer of it wants us to see Jesus fresh and new in our lives. And when you, when you are around church a lot, when you're around Christian things a lot, you can lose the significance of the life of Jesus Christ that God made flesh to come to be with us, to dwell with us, to to transform us. He gave his life. And you can lose, you can lose the, 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 the shine of that. And my hope is that as we walk through this series, you would see Jesus fresh and new. And I love about the, the book of Mark is it shows us that Jesus was not just a man. He was man. He was fully man and fully God. He was a man of power. He was a man of action. And so sometimes when, when, when you read the Bible, though, as we get into this book, and today's kind of the introductory to this series, you can think that the writers of the scriptures were perfect. You can think, you know what, they, they probably had every door open to them and wow, they were able to do their ministry because, because well, they're in the Bible. But here's what's really fascinating about, about Mark. You, you forget that he was a real person. Let me tell you a quick story about Mark, which help, hopefully can help you connect to him a little bit today. Mark was just like us. He was on a journey following Jesus. He wasn't perfect. He was maturing. He was growing, just like all of us here. That's why one of the, our core values here at the church is that we're, we're, we know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. But this first one, know God, means we grow in maturity. Once we come into a relationship with Jesus, we grow in maturity. That's why we're, we're so big on small groups, us growing together and, and, and discipling one another together. But Mark was on this journey. And he always, he, he didn't have things work out for him all the time. He actually had some rejection in his life from some pretty significant people. And maybe a lot of people don't know this about Mark, but Mark went on a mission trip. Anybody here ever been on a mission trip? Raise your hand. All right. Mark went on a mission trip. Well, in the middle of this mission trip, he gets freaked out is what starts happening. He gets scared. He gets fearful. Now, we don't know all the details about this, but this is what we do know. He got the heck out of Dodge, and he went back home. He left the team there, and he went home. And then later, he thought, you know what? I want to go back and join the team again. And the team was Paul and Barnabas. And so Barnabas says, yeah, sure, Mark, you can come back. You know what Paul says? He says, I don't think so. Nuh-uh. You ran the first time. You're not coming back here. And so it was at this moment that Mark was rejected. 
His, he was like Paul, I mean, Paul, like the super apostle was like, yeah, Mark, no. How, how many know that probably would have hurt him a little bit? But Barnabas really cared about Mark. He really wanted to see Mark um, grow. And so this actually, this caused some friction between Barnabas and Mark. And so, so they actually split ways. So Paul went one way and Barnabas went the other way. But Barnabas took Mark under his wing. He started mentoring him. He started speaking into his life. That's, that's one of the things here at our church um, for, for all of us. All of us should have someone that we're speaking into in our lives. All of us should. If you don't have anyone that you're speaking into their lives, I just want to challenge you today to do that. Start looking. How can I impact someone else's life um, that is around me? And so Barnabas took Mark under his wing. Started ministering to him, loving, building his confidence again. And said, hey, listen, you can come with me on a mission trip. It's okay, buddy. We're, it's, it's all going to be all right. Mark began to grow and he began to mature. And this is what we forget about guys in the Bible. We think, oh, my gosh, they're superstars. No, they're just like you and me that said yes to Jesus and said, God, I will do anything you want me to do. And so this is, as we come into this book, this is the context of which it was written in. And so this is what I love. Barnabas took Mark under his wing. And then later on in Paul's ministry, when Paul was in prison in Rome, he asked for a man to come and help him. And do you know who he asked to come and help him? He asked Mark to come back and help him. And so Paul and Mark were restored. And, and this is what Paul says about Mark, this author. He says, he, speaking of Mark, is helpful to me and my ministry. And so this book is written with a place of experience. A man who suffered rejection. A man who's preached the gospel in very difficult um, circumstances. He, was, he had hard-earned street preacher cred. He had it. And this book is solely for one purpose, and that is to elevate Jesus and tell everyone else about the great works of Jesus Christ. And it's a gift to us today. Mark has, he was writing to the Romans. He was writing to a Gentile world and the Romans loved action. They loved, they loved to hear miracles. And so as we get into this book, you're going to see that it's amazing, packed full of miracles. And Mark contains actually more miracles per chapter than any other gospel. The most common word actually in this book is this immediately. It's, it's this now. Jesus happened now. Jesus healed immediately. And you see it all throughout the book. It's, he's showing that Jesus is a man of action. And so the action never stops. And so what I love about the book of Mark, and then we're going to get into it in just a moment, is that all the, the, the other gospels, they begin um, about talk, telling about the birth of Jesus, about, you know, the, the wise men and the shepherds. Mark skips all of that, and he jumps straight to John the Baptist. And so we're going to pick this up today. You guys with me today? Are you guys ready for this journey? It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's begin in Mark chapter 1, looking at verses 1 through 8, and this is, this is where um, everything begins. Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. If you could, we put that up. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah, the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you. Speaking that, that God's going to send a messenger ahead of Jesus who will prepare your way. He will be a voice of one calling in the wilderness. In other words, he's going to be alone. Prepare, but this is what he's going to say, prepare the way for the Lord. Can we say that together? Prepare the way for the Lord. 
And then he goes on and says, and make straight the paths for him. Make straight the paths for Jesus. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judea countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to see him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. And John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locust and wild honey. Sounds great, doesn't it? Some of you granola people, you might like that anyway. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And this is the beginning of this chapter in the book of Mark. And so I want to look at lessons that we can learn um, from John the Baptist. But before we get into this, as you continue to read... John sees Jesus at a distance, and he cries out, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He recognizes Jesus. It's his, his whole purpose for John was to prepare the way for Jesus, to make, to make straight the paths for Jesus so that he can come and immediately begin doing what God had sent him to do. But what I love about this is that this in this book, this was not the first time John had recognized Jesus as the Messiah. I want you to think back in Luke chapter 1. There's a pregnant girl. Her name is Mary, Jesus' mother. And she comes close to Rebecca, who is John the Baptist's mother. And what we find in Scripture, that something happens in, in Rebecca's womb, that John leaps in his mother's womb when Jesus, who is in his mother's womb, comes near. And so this, you know what this tells me? This man, John the Baptist, he was made for this one sole purpose, and that is to recognize Jesus Christ and to point everybody to him. That's what he was there. Even in his mother's womb, he was filled with purpose. That's why we say, listen, every person, every person has a has a purpose as a destiny. This is why we, we, are, we believe that when a child is conceived, it is, it is life and that God has a purpose and a, and, a, and, a, and a plan for that child, regardless if it's one hour old or three months old. That's what we believe. And so we know this, that John the Baptist was filled with such a, a, a significant calling, even in his mother's womb, his whole body and bones leap when Jesus was around. And so here's John. Now for the second time, he, he senses Jesus walking near and he declares, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This man was loaded with purpose. He was loaded to point people to Jesus Christ. He, he would filled him. It came out of his skin. It came out. It was in his bones. His bones were on fire for one purpose. Jesus. Everyone, there's Jesus. And so I want to look at his life a little bit today, and I want to see what God says from the life of John the Baptist to you, to your family, as we go on a journey through this. So we learn from John the Baptist is this, is that we all actually have a similar call to John the Baptist. Say, I have a call. That's very important for you to hear yourself say that because everyone thinks, well, the, the, the pastor guy, he has the call, or it's, the, it's this guy, it's the guy on TV, he has the call. No, 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 no. You have a call. 
All of this is, is similar to every person who's a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's this call right here. It's number one, what can we learn? Is that you exist to point others to Jesus. You exist to point others to Jesus. That's why God made you. That's why God saved you. One, he made you to be in relationship with him. He saved you so that you can carry out his mission on the earth and point others to Jesus. Do you guys agree with me on that? This is, it's a very foundational thing of our Christian faith. Our lives exist to reflect Jesus, to represent Jesus, and to redirect people's lives to Jesus. That's why we exist. This is what for us as a church, this is what we're about. This is for me. This has been a part of who I am. Uh, ever since I gave my life to Jesus, it just burns in me. But we're to partner with, with, with people who are bringing people to Jesus. That's what we do as a church. That's why we're stepping into Easter. That's why we, we invest so much time and resources because, because the world without Jesus is a lost and broken world. And we need to understand this. Many times Christians, and particularly Americans, we want to change the behavior of the world before we ever put Jesus in their hearts. And I'm telling you guys, it'll never work. It'll never work. You want to tell people how evil they are? Well, they don't even have Jesus in their lives. They, they don't, they're, not even, they're not convicted of sin. Why would they believe that they're evil? And so it's very important that we understand the mission of the church is to put Jesus in the hearts of the lost and the broken and the hurting in the world. That's what our purpose is. And so we're all required to point people to God through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and we do it by using our words. We do it by using what we say and, and, how, and what we proclaim and what is our life saying. There's an old saying, um, and, and I've heard it for a long time, and, and, and you'll know who says it, but there's an old saying that says this, preach the gospel constantly, and if necessary, use words. So that sounds really nice, but if you think about it, it's like saying, go feed the poor and the hungry, and if necessary, use food. Think about it. John used his words. And for us, God challenges us through his word to use our words. Pointing people to Jesus looks like something. And this is why we're committed as a church to do this. This is why we need to be a part of a community that we are pointing people to Jesus. We have a community that you can disciple people. We have small groups that people can build relationships that we can make a difference together. And John's job was to prepare the way for the Lord. And he fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that said a forerunner would come to introduce the Messiah. And this, and this forerunner would build a pathway that is straight. So here we have, as you get into this, again, today's the introductory to this. I want to lay the foundation of all the information. But 400 years leading up to John the Baptist, they had not heard any voice of the Lord. The prophets were silent. It seemed as though God had forgotten his people. And there was nothing going out this saying, this is the word of the Lord. Or this is direction from God for, for these people. Nothing. And here's John. 
And all of a sudden, John comes on the scene, and he shatters the silence, and he brings down the walls of of quietness. He brings down the the walls of, of God not speaking, and he comes on the scene, and he points it out, and this is, we have the voice of God now speaking that hasn't spoken in 400 years, and he says, there he is, there's the Messiah, and he's come to save you. Now, the word had been spoken. And sometimes, this is what we need to know, sometimes... Your voice to someone is the only voice of truth they could ever hear. It's the only voice of truth that someone could ever hear. Your voice might be breaking a silence that they've had in their life. Listen, you would be amazed at the amount of people in our country that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or they've, had, they've heard a version of the gospel, and it's about legalism, and it's about you better get your behavior in line, you better, you, you know, you, you better stop doing all this. No, 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 no. The true gospel takes someone's life and says, I will take your brokenness, your hurts, your pain, and I will make you a brand new person if you'll just give me your life. That's what the gospel is. And so sometimes your voice, many times your voice is the voice that will shatter the silence in someone's life. And that just may be you sharing your own journey, sharing your own faith. And that's what we're called to do. So this is where we have in John chapter 1 verse 29, John saw Jesus coming towards him and this is what he said. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I'm so grateful for this. I'm so grateful that Jesus came and he took my sins away. I'm so grateful that Jesus came to this earth and he restored me back to the relationship with him that, that, I, that I so desired to have. I'm grateful that Jesus offers us his forgiveness and his cleansing power today. Are you guys grateful for that? This is the whole message. And for all of us, that know God. Think about this. There was someone, if you think about your journey in knowing God, if you think about your journey of getting saved, probably for most of us, it started with a person. It might have been a parent, a pastor, a Sunday school teacher. But the reality is this, someone helped us find and follow God. That's so important for us to understand that. Someone did. Someone said something that sparked something that caused us to take a step forward and follow God. And so you could be that same someone for someone else. That's our job. Now that's our job. And for all of us to know that Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and that what we learn from John the Baptist, that this is, this is what we're called to do as well. Because, guys, I know this. I know the, the end of the world will come one day. I do know this, every person in this room and on this planet, and I don't mean to sound fatalistic, will die. And it's in that death that, life, that, that the decisions in their life will determine their eternity. And God's called all of us to be a part of bringing people into the kingdom of God. The second principle that we learn from John the Baptist from this is this, number two, repentance is the first step to freedom. Repentance is the first step to freedom. The Bible says that John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And here's what's crazy about John the Baptist. I I was reading some commentaries and they said, you know, John the Baptist maybe was a mix between Bigfoot and a homeless person. And I was like, what? But he, he, he had one message. 
He didn't care about his appearance. He had one concise message, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. And I think so many times we can overcomplicate the gospel and we can overcomplicate church. And, but actually, it's very, very truly simple. And some people are even intimidated by the simplicity of the gospel. No, no, no. No, we need to be about this and this and mysteries and that and that. Okay, that's fine. But actually, the gospel is very clear. Actually, the purpose of the church is very clear. To tell the world that they needed to repent and be baptized. They needed to give their lives to Jesus Christ. This, this, is, this is the journey that all of us are on. And so the word repent, I don't, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but it actually, it actually means to change your mind. To change your mind that, that about something that leads to change. It's, you cannot repent if you don't know that something is wrong. And John's preaching actually didn't win him any awards actually. He, he, was, he was a bit of a wild man. He, he had a little bit of uh, his tact sometimes people would say was a little off. Because if you get into Mark chapter 6, he's preaching and he's telling some, some, some leaders, listen, you need to repent and be baptized. And it cost him being arrested and he was beheaded because he proclaimed the truth. I mean, this man was sold out. This man was all in. This man wanted his life to matter. And he wanted, to, he wanted God to use him to make God's fingerprint on this earth. And a lot of people, especially today, we don't like to, we don't like to hear that we need to repent. Because many of us, and, including me at times, we think, oh, we're just fine the way we are. No, we're good. This is, just, this is just who I am. But actually, that's not the truth. All of us are on a journey of laying our lives at the feet of Jesus and saying, Lord, I, I'm sorry. Lord, I, you know, I blew it. And, and he just continues to pick us up, continues to walk with us in this journey. And I believe for teachers, really, of the Bible, it's important to talk about sin. It's important to talk about repentance. Following Jesus, is, it's not about human improvement. It's not about, it's, it's not about um, you. <laughs> Here's the reality. Nobody needs a better version of themselves, we all just need a new ourselves. We need a new, we need a new life. We need, a new create, we need to be created brand new from Jesus Christ. And the message of the Bible is that we are all sinners. And if we want to experience God's forgiveness, we need to admit we're sinners and turn our lives towards God. Amen? That's where we are. And the message of repentance is found all throughout the Bible. This isn't something that's just in the New Testament. It's all throughout the Bible. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He told people, repent or you're going to drown. That's what he told them. But they laughed at him. Jonah, he went to the wicked city of Nineveh and he preached, repent or God is going to destroy the city. And in that case, the people repented and God spared their city. This is a fundamental spiritual principle. Repentance. The acknowledgement of sin in our lives. And most want, and, and here's, here's the truth, most want the reward of repentance, but few truly want to repent. Most want the reward of repentance, but very few want to repent. But here's the truth. It's still a part of God's plan. Acts 3.19. Look, look, look at what Scripture says. This is what they were preaching. Repent then and turn to God. Why? Well, what's the purpose of repentance? Listen. So that your sins 
may be wiped out. Thank God I'll take some of that. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Here's my challenge to us today. Are you feeling dried up? Are you feeling empty? Are you feeling like, like you've lost your connection with God and you feel a distance from him? Just, I, I just want to encourage you today, ask the Lord to examine your heart. Are there areas of your life you need to repent? It doesn't mean you're, you're, you've lost salvation. Listen, no, no. Once you are in the family of God, you are in the family of God. But are you longing for a refreshing that comes from the Lord? I, I am. And here's the question. Are there areas of your life that you need to repent of? And this is just the challenge that we hear from the word of God. And the motivation of God, of God for us to repent is not to point his, his finger at us and make us feel horrible and make us feel bad and to condemn us. No, no. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but he came to save us from our sins. But the motivation of God is not to hurt us, but to refresh us and to bring life to us and for us to actually live a life that we've all desired of living. And whatever it is, whatever it is, my friends, that you're carrying today, Whatever you realize you need to get rid of today, let, let me tell you this. Today's the day to repent. It doesn't matter if you walked with God for, for 50 years or 50 seconds. It doesn't matter. Today, if there's anything in your life that you know the Holy Spirit is just knocking on your heart right now, you realize, I need to repent. Listen, today's the day. And, and, and allow the Holy Spirit to change you. Allow the Holy Spirit to see how you see things, how, how you see God and it isn't about you doing the work. It isn't about you beating yourself up. It's about you turning to God. And when you turn to God, this scripture will come true. You will find the refreshing that comes from the Lord. Amen. Are you, guys, you guys want some of that refreshing? I do. I do. And this is a challenge to us today. Listen, the gospels are very challenging. There were some amazing miracles that we're going to cover. But listen, Mark comes out of the gate swinging with John the Baptist saying, repent and be baptized. And it's like shocking. But this is why. Because your father delights for you to walk in his life, to find, to find his life, to step out of your darkness, to step out of your confusion, to step out of your pain and repent and receive the refreshing that comes from him. The third spiritual principle we learn from John the Baptist coming out of the book of Mark is contrary to popular belief, number three, following Jesus is about us decreasing and Jesus increasing. Amen? Yeah. It's about us decreasing and Jesus increasing in our lives. This message is challenging. I don't know if that's why the room's so quiet today or not, but it's challenging. We live in a Christian culture, unfortunately, and especially in America, that's all about me. My dreams, my desires, my money, my success, my comfort, my popularity, my emotions, my feelings, my ministry. And not that there's anything wrong with any of those things, but as a follower of Jesus, our life is not to be about all of my things, but our lives are to be about his things. 
It's about what Jesus wants. What is G- how does Jesus want me to live my life? What does Jesus want me to do in, our, in, in my church? What does Jesus want me to do in the world? What does Jesus want me to do on my job? What is Jesus calling me to do? And this is what really John the Baptist shows us today. What God wants is about us submitting our lives to him completely and totally under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Everything in my life belongs to you, Jesus. Everything in my life, my desires belongs to you. My money belongs to you. My breath belongs to you. My family belongs to you. My mind belongs to you. Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything. This is what John the Baptist did and lived. Actually, this is what John the Baptist said about his own ministry. This is what he said in, in, this, in uh, John chapter 3. He says this, he, speaking of Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. Let's read that together this morning. He must increase, but I must decrease. John was talking about he can't, he can't carry on doing things the way that he has already done them. He's got to make a change. He's talking about doing things differently because Jesus has come. And when Jesus comes in your life, when you walk with Jesus, it constantly requires change, constantly requires surrender. Anytime you open your life to Jesus in a radical way, listen, listen to me. I promise you it will require change. I promise you. Anytime a church, let's say our church, chooses to decrease our name and elevate Jesus' name, this is what I promise, it's going to require change. The only way Jesus can become greater and greater is when we are willing to become lesser and lesser. In our personal lives, and our church family, the only way that you can, now listen, listen to this. It's, it's crazy. It's backwards. But the only way that you can see increase is by decreasing. <laughs> it's like an upside down kingdom, but this is the reality of following Jesus. And, I, and listen, everybody wants God's blessing. Everybody wants God's favor. Everybody wants God's provision. But they want to do the same thing in their life over and over again and expect a different result. Do you know what it's called when you do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result? Insanity. And so here's a challenge from John the Baptist. I must decrease so that he may increase. And so here's a challenge for us. What areas of your life, do you realize that you need, to, you need to decrease? What areas of your life do you need to decrease so that Jesus may increase? What areas of your life do you need to stop being self-reliant? Maybe you need to take a step back and, and stop making life all about me and make it more and make more room in your life for Jesus Christ to come into your life. Listen, I promise you on the other side of surrender, on the other side of of giving your life to Jesus, you will will experience a refreshing, a deliverance, a freedom in a way that you've never experienced before. And so, again, no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, 
What do I need to decrease so that Jesus may increase in my life? Is there bitterness? Is there unforgiveness in your life? That you've, you've just, you won't forgive someone? Or maybe, maybe you have bitterness towards God because things didn't work out the way that you thought they should or they thought they would. And you're struggling with bitterness in your life. And you're holding, you're holding your obedience hostage from God because you, you're mad at him. Maybe it's entitlement to say, I, but I deserve but I deserve it. Listen, if I ever feel feelings of, of, of entitlement, but, but I should get what I deserve, okay. When I look at Scripture, do you know what I deserve? I deserve hell. That's what I deserve. But Jesus rescued me. And he saved me. And I'm grateful. And if I want Jesus to increase in my life, I need to Deal with areas of entitlement, entitlement of, of everything in my life. Maybe it's stubbornness. Maybe you're stubborn like me, and God needs to press on you a little harder at times. Maybe you have some attitudes that are wrong. Maybe, maybe you're gossiping a lot. Maybe you struggle with a negative, overcritical attitude. Maybe nobody in your life can ever do anything right, and you're always speaking ill of them. These are areas you must, they must decrease so that Jesus may increase. But here's the beauty about following Jesus. Jesus doesn't say, do the work, and then I'll increase. He says, just admit that you need work, and I will help that decrease. And while that decreases, I will increase in your life. He is the great Father. He is the great Savior. He just, he's looking for a willing heart to say, all right, God, I want my life to change. And when Jesus comes on the scene in Mark chapter 1, everything changes. John's methods, how he preached, changed. His thinking changes. He was the most popular, it's true, he was the most popular preacher at the time. He had his own TV show. He had his own radio show. He had written these good books that were on the New York best, you know, New York Times bestselling list. I know I got that wrong, but anyway, we'll move on. You know, he was, he was the stuff, man. He was on TBN. He had a funny haircut. Everybody loved him. It was great. But when Jesus came on the scene, everything changed Everything changed. And so this is what I know about my own life. Most of the time, we want to be comfortable. And we want things to change. But we want things to change that only make us comfortable. It doesn't work that way in the kingdom of God. Decreasing is never comfortable. But I promise you, it's rewarding when you're following Jesus. It's rewarding. And the last spiritual principle we learn from John the Baptist today is number four. God invites us to be fully immersed and filled with his presence. God invites us to be fully immersed and filled with his presence. Mark chapter 1 verse 8, the last verse of the day. This is what John says. I baptize you with water, but he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Spirit. If you, I, I actually taught on this on, on our last first Wednesday, and let me encourage you to, to go to that message and listen to it. I talked about the whole, the reality of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I talked about the gifts of the Spirit that are, that are evident and for us today. But this word baptism means this, means to immerse completely and totally. 
It's a baptism that's more than just a baptism in water. That's what we're talking. This is a baptism in or with the Holy Spirit that that just radically transforms your life. Water baptism, it's an outward act. It's an act of obedience. It symbolizes the cleansing of our sins. But it's it's also symbolized. It only touches our body. But it's, it's symbol. It's symbolic. But spirit baptism is this inner act of the Holy Spirit. That, that literally purifies your soul, cleanses you, gives you power to live for Jesus Christ. And you become holy because the Spirit of God is holy. And the Holy Spirit sets up camp inside of your body. That's really, really exciting. We, we read all in the Old Testament of, a, of, of the temple or the tabernacle where the, the presence of God would, would fill the holy of holies and only a special person could go in and could offer certain things and they had to be perfect. And if they weren't perfect, they, they might die and it was fear-based and, and all this kind of things. No, no, no. Now all of a sudden, not a, God doesn't dwell in buildings. He dwells in people, you and me. He takes up shop, camp. He lives in us. And that's so important for us to understand that Jesus came to put his spirit inside of you that can transform your life. Jesus spoke of this out of Acts chapter 1 to his disciples right before he he ascended, after his resurrection, right before he ascended. This is what Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, the one we're talking about today, baptized with water, but in a few days... You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was talking about what would happen on the day of Pentecost. And we know what happened. The disciples were filled, were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I I fully, 100% believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But there is a wonderful thing about God. He encourages us. He, here's, it's just not this one little thing. No, no. The scripture says that we are to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're continually growing. We're continuing growing, leaning into God. And the filling of the Holy Spirit is not just, it, listen, and, and this is, it's not just for, for, for our enjoyment. Because that's what people think. They, they chase experiences. No, 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 no. The whole purpose of the infilling of the Holy Spirit was for for our employment. That's what it was for. It was so that we could do the, the work of God, that we could live the life that God's called us to live. That's why we are filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. But here's the wonderful thing about God. He continually invites us to draw closer to him. To be filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit means you are actually immersed fully and completely in the life of God. There are Christians who are today, they're still living according to the flesh. They're still, they're saved, but they're still living. And the Bible actually speaks of them, it calls them carnal Christian. But here's the reality, they're not experiencing the joy and the victory of the Christian life. It's like a, a carnal Christian has, has splashed themselves with water and, yeah, they're saved. But there's so much more of God that, that's available to them. There's always more. And in Acts 13, it says the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And this is available for you today to be filled fresh and anew, to continually be filled with the presence of God. That's why for me, worship is such a powerful thing for me. 
that I, I, when I come in to worship God, I say, Lord, I just pray that you'd fill me fresh and new today with your Holy Spirit, that you'd fill up every area that is empty. Lord, may I decrease and you increase. I, this, this is what I do in worship. I sing about him. I elevate him. And as I do, something happens in my life and in my heart every single time. That's my encouragement to you. That as we continue to move forward as a church, that we be passionate about the presence of God. We be passionate about the Holy Spirit. That we would see God meeting us, not just for our enjoyment, though it's, it's great, it's fun, but it's for our employment, to do the work of God, to, to, to link arms together, be able to pray for each other out in the atrium or, or in the church or at the grocery store. Just let's be the life that God has called us to represent in the world. And a follower of Jesus who was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's like they've jumped headfirst in a swimming pool of living water. It's just not on the, it's just not them, water touching them. They are fully immersed, their entire being surrounded, covered, and supported in the life of Jesus. And so my encouragement today from the life of John the Baptist is take the plunge. Go deeper with Jesus. Don't be satisfied with just where you are today. And you know how that changes? You start asking God to give you a hunger for more of him. Give you a hunger for worship. Give you a hunger to, to lean into him. And I believe that the, that's what the Lord wants to do with us through this series in the book of Mark. That we would become more passionate about Jesus we, become on we would become on fire for him, white, hot, burning believers that believe every word of the scriptures and follow every word of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, check our website at www.faith.church.